Hello, and welcome to the season five finale of Crocking Chuds and Cheerios. This is Matt, once again, joined by Angel. Now, Angel, it has been several months since we started this season, but this part of the show has customarily been reserved for some absolutely insane things you do in your free time, mm -hmm. but today is not one of those days, my friend. You see, during the last episode of that, that mini-season we did where we followed up on news articles we have previously discussed, I went on a, a lengthy rant about the angel number four. Do you remember that? Um, I don't. <laughs> a vaguely. A vague, a vague conception of that idea. <laughs> I went on a lengthy rant about the angel number four because... For some reason, when we went into that episode, I was all about the number four. Did it pay off in that episode and, and lead to a funny joke? Well, like many of my jokes on this show, that is debatable. <laughs> Anyways, during this season, my mind has wandered a lot, and I keep having this weird deja vu about remembering the angel number four, which, which triggers a memory I have not had in a long time. As is well documented on this show, my, my memory is comparable to Swiss cheese, where the holes and bacteria have just added up over time, and there are just pockets of missing events. So today, I wanted to share this long-forgotten memory in the form of a story about a name. Your name, Angel. And this is possibly a story I have never even told you, but Swiss cheese memory and all, I possibly could have. So strap in, Angel. This is going to be a wild ride. Or not, because I probably have already told you this and just don't remember it. For this story, we have to actually travel back into time. As this goes back to December or so of my freshman year in high school, so late 2000. I was in an intro to Spanish class, and it was a hell of a time. An absolute nightmare. In complete transparency here, Angel, I sucked at it. Because in middle school, I took German for a year, and then I believe there's no longer going to be a German teacher in the high school when I got there. So I think I had to switch classes. Something like that. I don't know. It was 22 years ago. For whatever reason, I ended up taking Spanish. So I'm in this class, and everyone has pretty much already had a year advance on me because there were only like eight of us in German class the prior year. On top of that, the Spanish teacher was out sick from the beginning of the year till around December due to medical reasons. Now, I pinpoint this very moment in the story, Angel, to the beginning of the downfall of my life. It led me to this moment right here. How things would have been oh so different if this travesty never occurred. Since the teacher was out, we had sub after sub after sub. We never did any Spanish work because none of them were Spanish teachers or even knew Spanish. This one dude eventually showed up and we just watched movies. In this school, we had what was called a block schedule. So the, the classes were exceedingly long, like some college courses are, which enabled us to pretty much watch an entire movie during one class period. And, and these movies were not Spanish-related at all. For instance, one day we just watched Halloween, the original one, Halloween. What does Halloween have to do with Spanish 101, Angel? I don't know. Do you? Um. Well, the the the, the Spanish people are very fond of Halloween in general because 
Um, no, I, I actually don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're fond of Mike Myers, the <laughs> actor, not the not the villain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to I used to think back when I was younger that Mike Myer, Myers and Michael Myers were based on the same people. So I'm like, wait, why is he a killer? But he's a funny guy. Like, what's going on here? Uh, what a confusing childhood. <laughs> So fast forward a bit, and that sub is gone, presumably because he showed Halloween to a bunch of 14 or 15-year-olds during school. If I remember right, he, he even blocked the little, the little window on the door so no one could even see into the room, which, now that I think about it, leads me to believe he knew this was a bad idea and didn't want people in the outside world to see it. Eventually, he was replaced by a guy who does know Spanish. I feel like, at this point, we are already like three months into the school year and have done no Spanish work at all. So good luck to this dude to start teaching us. It's mainly a blur, but as I recall it, it did not go all too well. Eventually, the actual teacher comes back from medical leave, and I and I, I hate to say it, but Angel, she looked like the crypt keeper. <laughs> this poor woman was battling some kind of cancer and is clearly, clearly not in a healthy state to be back working. But I can only assume she was out of sick time and had to come back. I, I felt bad for her, Angel. This woman was probably in her late 50s, but she looked like she was already 85. She was probably around 100 pounds and maybe four feet, four and a half feet tall. A stiff wind could have pushed this little abuela over in an instant. Uh, she also had this medical tape wrapped around her wrist, which went all the way up her forearm, almost as if she had fallen at some point and injured her wrist so remember the medical tape angel it comes back into play later on she would also wear entire sweatsuits that didn't match and that were insanely large on her like she was some kind of person who got lost swimming in pounds of sweatshirt material and just accepted their life being engulfed by clothes she would have a hair tie in her hair but somehow it didn't tie any of her hair back it just puffed out like some sort of static field was emanating from her tiny body it was a sight to behold it isn't my intention to put her down or anything it just i just want to make this clear this woman should not have been back into the classroom because of how ill she still was and this is more of i would say an indictment on our healthcare system and sick leave system in america if if you know what i mean so back to the the story here this poor woman, she she came in, and if my memory serves me well, because of the the block schedule of the first the first half of the year was supposed to be Spanish one, and the following half we were already set to go into Spanish two, so the longer class lengths basically equated to a year's worth of material in one semester. Angel, we were like seven weeks from the second semester starting, and we had hardly done any Spanish. This woman was so sick; she was falling asleep at her desk during class she could hardly move and she has a class that is three months behind on the work i'm i'm feeling anxious again just thinking about it but to finally get to the point here about the name angel the angel number four here we go as part of the class we were able to choose a spanish name to be called in the class for instance i would have logically been named mateo in the class since my name is matt meaning gift of God and all that in its meaning. But freshman me was not logical in this instance. No, we were allowed to choose any name, Angel, 
any name. So can you imagine what I do? Um, I'm guessing you're going to choose a different name. At the time, a show that I really liked was Angel, a friggin' vampire detective show at its most basic level, if you don't know what that is. Also, a spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I'm sitting there, everyone is rattling off their names, and the teacher's writing them down, and and I'm like, these bastards better not choose Angel, because I don't have a backup at that time. I was all in on Angel, and I don't know why, looking back at it, it's like, I wasn't a huge fan of Angel, and it was neat show and all. In fact, I, I don't even recall watching the show during its original airing, and I really just knew about the character. Maybe I, I just thought the name was cool. I don't know. I was like 14 years old, Angel. Finally, the teacher got to me after what seemed to be about half an hour because her body was in so much pain just writing the names down. And I belted out, Angel. I give it my all. I say, on hell, to pronounce it correctly in my mind. <laughs> and she doesn't respond. I'm like, what's... Uh, that's weird. Is she okay? Or is she having an, an episode right now? So... After about 20 seconds, she says she didn't hear me. I still remember this, too. The, the the wrist tape stuff that she wore was coming off her arm like she was a mummy <laughs> that was unraveling at the seams. This is metaphorical in a sense to me now because my life was about to unravel, Angel. I say it again. On hell. After 10 seconds of silence, I say, on hell, even louder. And then... The frickin' Crypt Keeper, she says she can't hear me. I was not saying this in some whispered tone, and at this point I was I was freaking out. Now, one thing that our listeners probably do not know about me is that my body has this uncanny, absolutely ridiculous ability to turn my face stop sign red color for the dumbest things, too. I have no idea to this day why. It's not like I'm embarrassed or anything. I, I can just be talking to a person in a normal conversation and my face turns red it's bizarre i can't control it it is what it is i hate it <laughs> because then i feel it happening which then makes it even worse because i know that person can see it and i can't stop it then my body doubles down on the redness because i know that person knows that i know they are wondering why my face is turning red <laughs> by this moment in time one would have thought that the ghost of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was manifesting inside my face. I was so red. At this point, I have been yelling the name on hell like five times. It has been about two minutes of me trying to tell this woman who is about to pass out from pain the name that I want to be called in this goddamn Spanish class. I remember at this point, I was I was sweating profusely too, like dripping off my face type <laughs> of sweat. This was a nightmare. I just wanted to tell her my name is on hell and it isn't working. So in a panic, I was like, Angel, I want to be called Angel. And she was like, oh, on hell. I could have died. I was like, what the f, f is happening? Is this a hidden camera show? The incident was so horrific. I soured on the name on hell. And like three days later, I changed to Javier because it was spelt like Professor X's name, Xavier. So, that is my story of where, for around 72 hours, my name in Spanish class was Angel. And if my timeline is right, this was several months before I met you. So, I don't know, a good thing I didn't have flashbacks to that 
day in class and be like, F this guy. <laughs> but that didn't happen. And the rest, as they say, is a 40-year-wide hole of history. <laughs> With that absolutely riveting story out of the way, Angel, why don't we begin our exploration of this week's entity, our season finale entity, the Lake Tota Monster. Allegedly, South America's most well-known lake monster. Can you believe that? <laughs> this claim got me wondering, Angel, if the Lake Tota monster is the most well-known South American lake monster, it is the perfect entity to test out our newest segment, Angel's Serendipitous and Slightly Salacious Sea Serpent Talk Corner. Deja vu. <laughs> we will start with an easy one. What does the Lake Tota monster reportedly look like? Uh, yeah, this is all seeming a bit familiar to me, but the from what I've read, it's been described as a fish with a black head, like an ox, and larger than a whale. It's also been described as a kind of a serpent with bright eyes, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. A black serpent. God. What whale, though? Like, there's different types a of A large whale. <laughs> They're all, all big. large. <laughs> what? I don't get yeah, it. It's... But like, and a head like an ox. So does it have a snout, or does it just have horns? It's a good question. <laughs> is it Babe the Blue babe, Ox? Babe lives in the water. Lake Toda is like seven and a half miles or twelve kilometers long, and four and a half miles or seven point two kilometers wide at its widest point. And falls to a max depth of 203 feet or 62 meters. 203 feet deep, Angel. Do you know how many Shaquille O'Neal's deep that is? I don't. It would take 29 shacks standing on each other's heads to have the topmost shack have his head out of water. You believe that? Uh, yeah. Can you believe it? I'm... I- you, you spoke about being soured on the name of uh, by, of Angel. I've been soured on the name by Shaq. A Shaq. That's right. You got Shaq soured. I got Shaq soured. You know why? I I need to derail this a little bit because I still am sour over this uh, pizza chain that I will not name because you can figure it out on your own. Is Papa Shaq? As a chacaroni pizza that they are advertising. <laughs> it's in the name. Roni. It's got to have pepperoni by default. It's supposed to be. It's called chacaroni because it's supposed to be a really big pizza, right? Big enough that when Shaq picks it up with his hands, it's, it looks like a normal sized pizza in his hands. But to us, normal <laughs> folk, uh, it would be like extremely large. Well, I ordered this pizza one day. With additional toppings. And you know what happened? I got a regular, it looked like an extra large pizza to me. It didn't look like shack size, first of all. And it had all those toppings, but it it, it was missing the key ingredient of the shakaroni. It was missing the roni part. And I'm like, what is this nonsense? And God. yeah, so I'm just... No, no pepperoni. So that's more like a shack and cheese. It was a shack and cheese with... with with some veggies and i was like this is this is ridiculous i didn't ask for a, a shack and cheese i asked for a shakaroni <laughs> um and there was no way to complain because usually these people send me an email saying how was your order i never got that <laughs> email 
<laughs> they knew. They knew this guy was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna blow him get up. Get soured. <laughs> uh, was it good though? It was good. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, as good as so, as good as these kinds of pizzas are, you know. Was his face on the box? No. Oh, nothing about him was on the box. This is absurd. <laughs> Neither him nor the pepperonis. Mm-mm. How can a a whale-sized potential apex predator survive in this lake for centuries and not deplete it of its food sources? Because it doesn't uh, eat. eat. (laughs) It doesn't. It eats plankton. (laughs) How much freaking plankton is in this lake? Well, you know, it's it's actually not water. It's just (laughs) millions of pounds of plankton. (laughs) Yeah, that's not that's not a lake. That's just all that you see is the plankton. <laughs> it's like oh, it's like think of how bad that would smell. It's like Scrooge McDuck swimming in his <laughs> money bin. In his vault. Yeah, <laughs> except the money is plankton, <laughs> and he just eats it as he goes. <laughs> He'd be all slimy when he gets out, and perhaps and, per- and then Huey Dewey Louie would be like. What the hell are you doing, perhaps, Uncle Scrooge? Perhaps the plankton that gets eaten, you know, uh, the ones that survive are the cunning ones. So due to evolution, the surviving plankton <laughs> is actually, they reproduce the fastest. So they can make sure that if they do get eaten, they've already generated offspring. Uh-huh. So they got to so spread on their so genetic So the code. lake is constantly replenishing itself. <laughs> It's it's a you know wow <laughs> yeah it's a natural phenomenon <laughs> yep all of this also goes back to the great debate of last season is this the Lake Toto monster in the singular or is it the Lake Toto monster as a title for multiple entities in the lake I have reason to believe that it is a singular Lake Toto monster is it immortal <laughs> uh n- no. I don't think it's immortal. I think it's dead. <laughs> oh no! Spoiler alert: There's nothing <laughs> left in there. It's dead. Oh, that's kind of a downer. <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> our final, our final question. Not of the episode because that would be a very quick episode. But <laughs> I have located three other names that the Lake Toto monster is known for. Can you name all three? Is is Busy Rocco one of them? No, <laughs> it's not Busy Rocco. Well, then I'm I'm out of luck because uh, the other one is the Devil Whale. Yes, and, um, so Devil Whale is one of them, and the third is uh, Muisel. It is that is one of the ones I located, Muisel, and the other one. That you did not say, Angel. The name of the Lake Toto monster that I am about to tell you right now is the name Diablo Ballena or Diablo Ballina. I'll be mispronouncing everything in this episode. Because I did horrible in Spanish class, Angel, and I explained yes. why. I think I think uh, you'd be better off with the German, you know? Ugh. No, <laughs> that was even longer ago. So those are the three names. Here is the moment to redeem yourself, Angel. 
If you had a chance to bestow a name upon this entity, what would you call it? Uh, I am given the opportunity to give this creature a magnificent name. And to empower it, it empower with. it. I have, I have to, it has to live on. Embolden it. Make it stronger. It has to strike fear in the hearts of men and possibly women. Uh, so <laughs> I'm thinking something. And, and dogs and children. The Lake Dota Visitor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it visiting from? That <laughs> was it. Wasn't one like the Lake Tota out of towner or something, in, or the Van Meter out of towner? Oh God! I think I like that one more. The Lake Tota out of towner. Oh man! But it strikes fear into nobody. <laughs> but the Lake Tota visitor almost sounds like he's a tourist. Well, I mean. You know, like the Van Meter visitor. I don't think this creature killed anything or anybody. <laughs> yeah, but people are pissed off at it. <laughs> With this absolute travesty of a talk corner done, I have one last question. Are you ready? Did Jonah get swallowed by a whale? <laughs> Bull. <laughs> Why don't we begin our lake-sized look at Cotton-Eye Razor, the axiom that states, For the monster of Lake Tota to have come from somewhere, it must therefore go somewhere. So where did this thing come from? <laughs> we need a bit of a history lesson here, Angel. So strap on your pleated khakis, tuck in your blue double-breasted pocket shirt with, with those sleeves rolled up, tie up that red bandana around your neck real tight, and don your tan digging hat to keep the sun out of your beautiful eyes. Dr. Angel Grant, famed paleontologist with a fetish for raptors. Before I continue, why do you love raptors so much? I gotta say, I think it's that, uh, that, um, that claw that uh, swivels. I know there's a word for it, but my mind, my brain is not working <laughs> properly this evening. The, the uh, bandana is too tight around your neck. It's cutting off the blood. It's how I do my best thinking. <laughs> best thinking. And the, the digging hat's too tight. <laughs> I think my brain head, is swelling. My, my head grew a few too many sizes. <laughs> Uh, all I can think of is the nail clicking on the floor mm -hmm. in the movie. Mm. That shall not be named. I mean the book. The book. No movie. <laughs> we have we have to go back to a time before your birthday, Angel. A hop, skip, and jump. <laughs> a hop, skip, and jump after the creation of the universe. <laughs> a depression. And no, Angel, I'm not talking about the mood disorder, but a geological formation in the high Andes was formed and filled with water. This lake is sitting at over 9,800 feet above sea level, or over 3,000 meters. How would you explain such a large sea serpent-like creature getting into this lake? Aliens. They move it or put it there? They created it. Or is it one? <laughs> I think it was a creation by the 
Alien. <laughs> I think those are the first time ever you have said those words. <laughs> I have my reasons. Oh, this is going to be a spicy theory by the end of this, I think. <laughs> no, no. No spices. I scared, I think, to even get there. The earliest surviving written story of the Lake Tota monster picks up just a few short, roughly 13 billion years later after the Big Bang in the year 1676. A bit closer to your birthday, of course. A very good year for humanity, Angel. You know I have to ask this. What is your favorite event that occurred in 1676? I can tell you that the Emperor Johannes I of Ethiopia decreed that Muslims must live separately from Christians throughout his realm. Now, they can't cohabitate? Yeah. Now, notice the way I I phrase this sentence. By phrasing, I mean this is the exact um, verbiage that Wikipedia has. That he decreed Muslims must live separately from Christians. Now, when you hear that, at least for me, I'm thinking... Oh, this guy hated Muslims, right? Not the other way around. But in reality, he was actually against the Catholics. Mm-hmm. He, um, there was some violent religious controversy that Catholic missionaries had caused in Ethiopia. And so he acted harshly towards Europeans. He, in 1669, he directed Gerasmach Mikhail to expel all of the Catholics still living in Ethiopia. And those who did not embrace the beliefs of the Ethiopian church were exiled to Senar. So, I think the Wikipedia uh, sentence needs to be reworded so that it elucidates the anger he has towards the Christians, not the Muslims. And it's also the origins of that phrase. You always say, I'm going to exile you to Senna. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're always saying that. Always. Now I know why, where it comes from. <laughs> is that is that all of 1676 for you? Yep. What a, what a year. Whoa. <laughs> I was blown out of my chair. So... Mine, November 27th, a fire in Boston, Massachusetts, is accidentally set by a careless and sleepy apprentice who drops a lighted candle or possibly leaves it too near some combustible substance. Uh, Now all I think of is Night Horse and that (laughs) story about the barn catching on fire. And this is the largest fire known known at this time in the district. The reverend there of the town increased Mather, his church, his dwelling, and a portion of his personal library are all destroyed. I choose this one because of your boy. You're always going about him too, Increase Mather. <laughs> For those that do not know, in 1661, Increase Mather married Maria Cotton. She was his stepsister by virtue of his father's marriage to Sarah Hankridge. Sarah was the widow of John Cotton, who was the mother of Maria. Maria Cotton gave birth to Cotton Mather in 1663. Angel, if you do not know, Cotton Mather in 1692 published a book called Memorable Providences, which some contemporaries of his considered responsible for laying the groundwork for the Salem witch trial. His 
1693 book, then, Wonders of the Invisible World, which I have read, is one of the most famous primary sources to what occurred during the Salem Witch Trials. I personally have done some heavy research into the Salem Witch Trials, and Cotton was a jackass <laughs> whose uh, religious fervency, in my opinion, led to a lot of innocent people dying. So, yes, in the 1676 burning of his father's church home and presumably 13-year-old Cotton Mather's home, due to a sleepy apprentice, is fine with me. <laughs> How about you? I'm okay with it. You're okay with it? <laughs> was it an accident or was it planned? <laughs> we'll never know. I like I like the description of a sleepy apprentice. Like I just I <laughs> no, imagine like he's drowsy. <laughs> imagine like you know in the old cartoons where they whenever somebody's getting ready to go to sleep, they have that little hat, that droopy hat, mm -hmm. and they got the pajamas that go all the way down to yep, the ground. Yep, the big saggy pajamas. <laughs> yep. His sleeves that keep going like rubbing up against the candle holder, and he's, he's dropping it, fumbling. He has like. Um, the air bubble coming out of his nose and going back in to <laughs> yep. show the, the sleepiness of his body. Yep. <laughs> back to whatever the hell we're talking about in this episode. <laughs> Our monster of Lake Tota. The story begins with the first written reference by Lucas Fernandez de Pedrajita in the storied pages of general history of the conquest of the new kingdom of Granada. We see references to this devil whale angel. But first... I must ask, a book titled with the words General History of the Conquest of Anywhere, do you feel like that may be a biased representation of the history? Or do you think we are getting both sides of the story of the involved parties there? Um, I'm, I have it in strong belief that this is a fair and unbiased account. <laughs> There's no. Uh, this is fair and balanced. There's no way that this would ever paint one side better or worse than the other. It's it's just you know historically speaking that's always been the case, right? Uh huh. I, I think I think it was a mistranslation. He didn't mean conquest. He meant friendship. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the, the Latin word for friendship, isn't it? Conquest. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I think people. so. <laughs> I have to think back to my Latin studies. But I'm pretty sure. It's been a while. I also took that before Spanish. It's just years and years of foreign languages. Regardless, your main man, Lucas Fernandez de Pedrajita, or as you like to call him, Lucky Franz Ferdinand Piranahans, he tells us in this book of conquest, the natives know the lake as the place in which a fish with a black head like an ox. I still don't get the black head like an ox. The black head like an ox and larger than a whale was discovered. He further writes, Quesada says that in his time, trusted persons and in the Indians affirmed that it was the devil. And for the year 652, when I was at the place, Doña Andrea Vargas, lady of the country, spoke about having seen it. Lady of the country saw it. So, we have a reference to seeing a creature larger than a whale in a lake. Again, how is that possible, Angel? So, what does it mean to be larger than a whale? <laughs> like, what's larger than a whale to begin with? I don't... Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing alive today. <laughs> I'm also wondering, when they when they mentioned the, the skull, I mean, not the skull, the black, the head like a black ox... 
I'm wondering, is it like a scalder scene or is it still like got the skin on it or what's going on? Does this thing have skin or does it have scales? Or if it's like an ox, does it have fur? Too many questions. <laughs> Not enough time. So the lake is a hair over 200 feet deep, Angel. Sperm whales are about 50 feet long and 90,000 pounds. Blue whales are upwards of 80 to 100 feet long and can weigh 150 tons. How is this thing fitting in a 200 foot deep lake and not constantly being spotted? Uh, I mean, I think, I think, I think the same could be said of all the lake monsters that exist in the world. In fact, I put forth this theory that there are underground veins <laughs> deep deep in the underground oceans that lead to all these uh, little lake areas. And I think all these creatures can go through them. How's this one work? It's in the freaking Andy Mountain. <laughs> these mountains. 3,000 feet up there. Or no, 9,000. There's a vein that goes all the way up there. Is it like straight up? Straight Do up. Do they just swim like straight up? Yeah, like they gotta have like strong, salmon upstream? They have they, the, the whales themselves consider it uh, a pilgrimage if to go there to that specific area the, the, the strongest whale can only make it up there they say is it like elephants going to their graveyards <laughs> <laughs> they go to lake toda to die <laughs> i mean possibly well, that's where the best plankton are and now that i think about it i mean isn't it like um aren't whales supposed to be descendants from of cows or something like that or some sort of ox creature so makes sense that it would have the head of an ox <laughs> oh no we talking about mermaids again <laughs> oh no it's all related <laughs> human sharks mermaids and cows and whales yep human shark mermaid cow man uh, i mean i guess they're all god damn the an name of the animal escapes me the the sea cow yeah, the, the manatee. The manatee. Yeah, it's all. They're all. It's all manatees, all the way down. <laughs> Whales are just big manatees. <laughs> so, fear not, because as you call him, Piranha Hands wrote. He wrote, "Quesada puts his good name to trusted persons having seen it." This is in reference to Gonzalo Jimenez de Casada, who was the conquistador who founded Bogota and is claimed by some to be the model for Don Quixote. Can you believe that? Cervantes' model is right here in front of us in this story. Um, I don't believe that, actually. <laughs> people are saying it. They're claiming this. I mean, I guess. I mean, people can say a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, I'm saying Casado was Don Quixote. Well, wasn't Don he, Quixote he like was in the book chasing windmills? windmills. Like, isn't that like mm -hmm. uh, considered like chasing pipe dreams kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Well, what's that say about Casada? Get this: it, <laughs> you just explained it all, Angel. In 1536, <laughs> that dashingly handsome devil Casada, who at the time had no military experience was put in charge of 800 men to go find El Dorado, oh, his own windmill he was chasing, <laughs> in what is possibly the biggest blunder of his life and probably kept him awake every single night for the rest of his life as he tried to fall asleep. Only 180 of that 800 survived as he bumbled through the jungle, oh 
It's even said that they resorted to eating lizards, snakes, frogs, and even the leather of their sword scabbards. So here is my question to you. Casada is speaking with the natives in the 1500s. Do you think he believes there is a monster in the lake? I think he believes there's a monster in the lake as much as the Europeans believed there was a Nandy bear in Africa. Oh, God. <laughs> Nandy bears. Was this a Nandy bear? <laughs> it, I, you know, it's, I feel like there's like stuff that's lost in translation. He's talking to mm-hmm. the natives. They say one thing and he's thinking, what? Giant monsters? Of course. And, and mm-hmm. maybe they have the same thought of this place also kind of looks like Africa and it's definitely oh, not Jesus. evolved. And, you know, mm-hmm. th- these primitive well, they have to, they creatures. Have to, yeah. <laughs> they have to spread their religion to civilize them. Yeah. A question, though, is a lake monster any more believable than El Dorado? Any more believable? Well, I guess they're equally believable, right? Well, no. A lake monster is more believable than El Dorado. But <laughs> you have, you know, peop- things live in, the, in, in water. Everyone knows that. So, it's of course, you might believe there's some sort of large creature. Now, when it comes to El Dorado, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, right? A city made of gold. Why would anyone believe that? But because the Europeans are so greedy, they're thinking... We need gold. We're looking for gold. We need something to come out of the the new world because they don't have spices. They don't have anything that the, uh, the <laughs> you know they don't have potatoes, <laughs> corn. <laughs> well, that's that you know. I've, I, there's some accounts where they when they encountered corn, they were not impressed. <laughs> well, yeah. the Shania Twain to the corn. <laughs> they, I mean, they 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 forced wheat on, on a lot of South American countries because they're like, yeah, we don't want that corn stuff here. Have some wheat. We're going to make bread out of this. <laughs> but um, El Dorado is, one, is, again, one of those mistranslations where somebody probably told them, you know, we, they're looking for gold. And they're like, oh, we're aware of gold. That, that's further south. And then as they go further south, they're telling, them, oh, yeah, there's a guy that paints himself as gold, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know yeah. or a religious leader or whatever, ritual. And then it just becomes there's a man made of gold and there's a whole city yeah. made of gold. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Yep, and then a whole empire of gold <laughs> is out there. It's just it's just beyond the horizon. Keep yep. going, <laughs> and, and I mean, it, in the, as a a defense mechanism to try to make them kill themselves, it worked with Casada losing what six hundred and fifty of his men. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> an the same time, to find but, it. Yeah, it's it's like one of those where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're looking for gold. It's, it's go over there that way. Yeah, where all the yeah, all get, the dangerous the things are. <laughs> Yeah, not, it's not here. It's definitely not here. No, 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 no. It's it's over there. Mm. If you so, find yourself uh, hurt, getting hurt, you're on the right path. Yeah. If someone <laughs> dies, keep going because you're getting closer. <laughs> Casada, or at least Lucas Fernandez de Pichajita, in his writing, affirms that the monster is the devil. So this, in my opinion, is, is of them applying christianity to the situation but i think it still fits that the monster to the natives was the a manifestation of evil at this point in the written record there is no indication beyond this just being a large fish why would this lake monster be evil do you think since they're applying the term devil to it it would it would intrinsically be evil so there's the story the story goes at least the the the, the myth the native myth that was collected 
the story goes is that they were having I don't know if it was how long it was been going, but the way they worded it is that they had a long, long drought and a very hot summer. They 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 were having you know problems with their crops and all of that, and lack of water, and this you know led to bad. Why can't I think of the word now? Uh, just um, ill will towards the people amongst uh, amongst each other, and and you know. Who to blame it on? Well, what's causing all this? This mess? oh, that's some creature in the lake. That 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 it's evil bastard, yeah. bastard whale. Yeah, <laughs> the devil whale. <laughs> so, I I want to throw this at you, Angel, as it harkens back to a previous episode with the hodag, another entity that some claim had native roots. The natives of the area, Casada Conquistador in, go by the name of Muisca. The Muisca had an economy and society considered by some the most powerful native society of what is considered the post-classic stage, or the pre-Columbian peoples. This is mainly due to their copious amounts of precious rare resources in the area, as the amount of emeralds in that area was unprecedented to the, to the Spanish. And another major resource besides gold, Angel? Copper! And what was your theory about the hodag and copper relating to the water panther? Do we have a possible Mishu Pishu variant? It, yeah, it could be possible that there's, you know, where, wherever there's treasure, there's some creature there to, to guard it. This is also where I learned that Colombia is like the, the biggest exporter of emeralds. Yep. I never knew. They have all, my, all these emeralds just laying around. <laughs> just go pick them up. Pluck, pluck them from the earth. It's just, you know, you're walking on the ground. No one's using and, them. And they're just sticking <laughs> to your shoes. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> the, the beach is just emeralds you know, as far the, as the You know, see. the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz, they were talking about Columbia. <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get those Colombian chocolates. <laughs> the written references to the look Tota monster jumps to your favorite century angel, the 1800s. This time... The French are involved. <laughs> Gaspard Molien, in his book, The Journey of Gaspard Theodore Molien by the Republic of Colombia in 1823, which my lord Gaspard pulled out all the creative powers in his body to title that book. <laughs> he states, Superstition has continued to inhabit these places concerning horrific wonders. Indeed, the rugged look of the region, suspended waters, so to speak, and such a height to always be agitated by the wind blowing from uh, Tohilo, the most elevated wetlands of Lake Tota. A slimy substance, oval, and filled with unpleasant water like the sand of its beaches, everything tends to arouse surprise. According to the people in the region, the lake is not navigable. The evil character inhabits its depths and dwellings, they say. One can see the gateways if they stay away from the shores and head toward the middle of the lake. Occasionally, out of the abyss, a monstrous fish can be seen only briefly. Lake Tota forms an arc which ends in the northwest and the southeast. The temperature is very wet and cold. The water has a bluish color and is thick unpleasant and not very clean like the sea the water of the lake is constantly agitated because of the storms that form in the tohilo in the middle of the lake are some islands there has only been one man who has dared to go to them the belief that the lake is enchanted prevents others from visiting them 
The bottom of the lake seems to be composed of a silica sand. The mountains that surround it are composed of a thick sandstone so strongly cemented that even the lowest areas aren't affected by water filtration. However, one would assume that the thermal springs of Pepa and Isa are rooted in the vast reservoir that is located a few measures higher than the thermal springs. Gaspard makes this sound like a dangerous shithole to be avoided at all costs. Does this description make it a place you would want to see? I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm the kind of person that when I hear descriptions like that, I'm like, yes, take me there. You're going to be signing up for that legend legend trip <laughs> to Lake Toda right of now. Of course. What do you make of the hazard conditions that Gaspard attributes to this lake? I ask because we have we have seen this before in folklore. Could the story of the lake monster be a parable to teach a lesson of don't go out in the lake, it's dangerous and you could die? It makes me wonder why Gaspard would want to make that kind of parable, unless he somehow expects his children to, to avoid it, or or is he trying to keep the people there away so that he can maybe have ulterior mo- motives? He wants to get the emeralds. Yeah. No, there's emeralds abound. Or possibly the copper. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> copper and emeralds. Could coat them in it. In in the eighteen thirty-eight edition of the Edinburgh New Philosophical Journal, there is a memoir by M. Bossengalt titled, In Part, The Effect of Clearing Land, which continues this narrative that Lake Toda is a hellish wasteland of sorts. It reads the Lake Toda is situated at a great height. Its elevation is above 12,000 feet. At this height, vegetation almost entirely disappears. The lake is nearly circular, and uh, Pedrahada, or Piranahans as you call them, who visited it in the year 1652, assigns two leagues as its diameter. Its water, when they are roused by the wind, forms waves which make its navigation dangerous. According to a tradition which is much older than the discovery of America, a marine monster maintained its residence in this lake and it had the credit of agitating the waters and making them overflow the road which skirts its margin. Some individuals of the highest credit have assured me that they themselves have witnessed on the surface of the lake not the real monster the Indians describe, but a mass of water suddenly elevate itself and communicate as it fell such an agitation to the liquid mass that the waves quite inundated the road which travelers are in the habit of frequenting. In this account will be readily recognized a phenomenon analogous to the famous sages of the Lake of Geneva. So we have a situation here, Angel, of these sages, which can produce tsunami-like waves on a lake body. Did you know this was a thing? No, I did not, actually. The The lake can basically shift the water from one side of the lake to the other, and it generates tsunami-like waves that can <laughs> disrupt the, the, yeah, the entire lake. It almost creates like a, a tide effect in this instance, can just go up onto the freaking road and wash out the road. That's pretty cool, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, taking out the human lives factor. So I suppose we have here a situation of, traditionally, those sages were considered the, the creation of the lake monster. But in this account, they're claiming that the just the waves themselves, just the, by design of the lake, which can be caused by tremors in the earth, is one theory of the causing of those. 
that maybe it was just a misunderstanding of what was going on in that natural world. Yeah, I mean, it, and my understanding is mountains are formed from, I don't know if that's changed since I was in school. The, but Yeah, the, the plates yeah. rubbing up against each other and shooting upwards. Yeah, so I feel like that, um, the sages is being caused just because it's just natural to that environment. In 1852, Manuel Cesar wrote in his The Pilgrimage Alpha for the Northern Provinces of New Granada. He wrote this wonderful tidbit. Recently, an Englishman arrived who was not afraid of the devil and manufactured a reed raft, went to the largest island which was peacefully possessed by shy deer, and there he held a bloody battle for the island. Following the example of the Englishmen, other boaters arrived in rafts and canoes occupying the islands and the lake and dispelling the spooky <laughs> stories. Today, the only dangers are those caused by the storms of the Tokilo wetlands when the three square areas of surface waters are agitated by windstorms. A bloody battle for the island. Angel, did this man fist fight deer <laughs> in a bloody battle for supremacy of this island, do you think? I mean, that's what it sounds like. He, 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 why? <laughs> but it, it makes me wonder, like, this guy is like, oh, I'm big and tough. I'm going to fight these shy deer. I mean, come on, man. Pick, pick on somebody. Easy target. Pick, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I would not be shocked if, if they saw this Englishman fighting capybaras and, and sloths. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. He just sees a sloth hanging from a tree, just comes up cold clocks in the jaw. (laughs) What a bastard that guy is. Put yourself in the shoes of that Englishman. You raft out to the island and fight shy deer. What scenario causes you to fight them in bloody battle? How How do you get to that place in your life? Well, I'm an Englishman, right? I mean, there's your answer. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you're looking for a fight <laughs> i'm an englishman i arrive on the shores of this island i am tired of being out at sea and i'm just miserable and i probably have um scurvy <laughs> and you're these shy deer you know they they look they see me and then they run away and i swear they're giggling and i know they're laughing at me so i have to fight them and you know, there's deer on an island. They're not getting off it. It's you go on the island. Yep. It's only one man leaves. <laughs> the entire thing blows my mind more than the lake monster does. So I wanted to throw some scenarios at you and find out your response. But first, what are the top five animals you would not fight in a bloody battle on an island? I definitely wouldn't fight a manticore. Oh, yeah, no. That would be dangerous. Lion? I mean, come on. I'm not... I, I find a lion on an, on an island and it's like, nope, not going to happen. They're leaving. Surprisingly, a zebra. I would not want to fight one of those either. It would mule kick you. <laughs> In fact, I feel like any animal is, is not really best suited for humans. Fist fighting? Yeah, because I think... I feel like uh, I'm, I'm outgunned here. But... Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, number four is a giant walking stick. <laughs> a giant walk, like like 
gigantic, huge, <laughs> yeah, gargantuan, yeah. giant walking yeah, stick. Yeah, because I mean, first of all, it's gonna blend in. I don't know what's going on. And then <gasps> you think it's a, a tree attacking yeah. you? <laughs> Man eating tree. And then finally, an agro Englishman. That guy's still out there, <laughs> just with his. Is Duke still up? Is he's, like, uh, come at he's me, a come wild at me. man living there now. <laughs> uh, show up, say, hey, governor. <laughs> yeah, start a fight. You arrive on an island, and this is the scenario. This animal is there. Do you fight or flight? Number one, polar bear. I'm definitely flighting. Now, in this scenario, though, it can swim after you. <laughs> Do you stand your ground? If I'm in, or or take your chances in the water. Well, I, I'm gonna die either way. <laughs> <laughs> so be eaten or drown and be eaten. <laughs> That's a. Uh... I'm going to do uh, the unexpected and save its child from a bear trap. <laughs> and then it will it, it will, will gain spare, your respect. It will spare my and life. You, <laughs> you live in Simpatico on the island. <laughs> uh, number two, a shy aardvark. <laughs> Earth pigs. Do you fight it or not? Um, they're delicious, so yeah, I'm fighting it. <laughs> uh, number three, to my? Is on the island. Do you fight him? Well, I just took his only source of food, so yeah, I have to fight him. <laughs> he has his pipe, though. Oh, no. He's got his lead pipe. Oh, God, I got to steal it from his him. Arm. Just like he stole it from somebody else. <laughs> I didn't think of that. He probably did steal that pipe from somebody. Number four, a flock of penguins. Oh, man. I don't want to fight a flock of anything. <laughs> penguins? Could you take them? Uh, no way, man. I'm, no. If I'm if I'm fighting a flock of penguins, I'm always going to be focused on one. The other one's going to be ganging up on me before I know it. They're yep. pushing me down, yep. pecking at me, yep. pecking dancing. Me. <laughs> they can't stop. <laughs> our our last one, a furry. <laughs> I love all furries. I would not fight them at all. <laughs> Let us now <laughs> change our focus to where did the Lake Tota monster go? Luckily for us, Angel, this will be short. Colombian botanist, explorer, physician, and guy who who weirdly looks like me in the illustrations of him. <laughs> the man, Jose Geronimo Triana, in his book, Myths, Legends, Traditions, and Folklore of Lake Tota that into the 1880s, that a black monster lived in the enchanted waters of the lagoon still persisted among the residents surrounding Lake Tota in the town of Quitiva. At least into the uh, late 1800s, there is still a belief of the locals that there was the monster was still in the lake. Again, is it the monster indefinitely living forever, or was it just somehow reproducing? A whole pot of whales reproducing in there? I don't know. <laughs> I think I told you earlier that I believe it was dead. But you also mentioned that this thing was uh, described as evil. So we know that evil cannot truly die. <laughs> it always comes back. I believe this thing is now a ghost roaming the lake. <gasps> oh, shit. A, a, a ghost, ghost lake ox head whale. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would ex- explain many things. <laughs> I didn't see anything about more recent sightings from than the late 1800s, did you? 
Um, no, I found lots of lovely videos of people visiting the lake, but you don't see mm-hmm. anything in those videos. So, yeah, it looks uh, like quite an enchanting place. Though I, I don't get the one guy says no vegetation grows there. What? There's like trees and junk there. Again, I'm telling you, he was trying to uh, <laughs> turn people away because he wanted something from there. He wanted, to know. he he wanted to get the treasures there. I don't know. <laughs> So let's go into some theories of what this thing could be that have been brandied about before we go into the rubric of power in this season finale, Angel. Theory number one, called the Megalodon Theory. So this is the idea that somehow a Megalodon population has has presumably adapted to fresh water and survived for, you know, like 23 to 6 million years in this lake. So... We have a possibly 30 to 70 foot long ancient shark. Uh, this one pains me. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you say megalodon, and I'm like, thinking, that's a big animal to be in a lake. And then you mention many of them, and I'm like, no, <laughs> that's just not, no. <laughs> For millions of years. <laughs> just constantly living in this tiny location. This they, They've adapted. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, nobody will bother us here. Yep, we have found the holy land of milk and honey. It is Lake Tota for megalodons. <laughs> and it turns out megalodons have ox heads. <laughs> I know. Yeah, shit, who knew? <laughs> they've, they've evolved in the lake. Apparently, they have to ram stuff with their horns. The next one, it is called the Liviatin Theory. So, Angel, this is literally Moby Dick. A mega sperm whale from 9 million years ago. Fossil records have been found on South American regions, so it places the animal in the in the region. But Angel, there are claims that this thing hunted <laughs> megalodons. Only skulls of the animal have been found, so the estimates of the body size uh, put it at maybe 60 feet long at the max. And again, it had to have somehow adapted to freshwater with a depth of... 200 feet how <laughs> it's those veins man they go straight into the earth <laughs> god damn they're traveling all over the world <laughs> gotta get into these earth tunnels the uh a deja vu here a moment but I, I i have this in my memory banks that a viable population needs to be around 50 before inbreeding occurs hmm. has the inbreeding made the ox head Maybe it's given all these traits, all the inbreeding makes them larger than a whale, whatever that means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Goddamn inbreeding. <laughs> just makes monsters. Makes the Habsburgs, uh, they're, the jaw just, it, it, I'm surprised that thing didn't have horns coming out of it. Makes the peacock family. <laughs> yeah, they, they put their mom under a bed. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was basically like a tunnel. <laughs> So, as we saw last season, dinosaur theories or megalon theories in this instance are, are, are pretty hard for me to get behind. I suppose I consider those things pretty much the same thing. As it either implies these creatures are immortal or there is somehow a viable population to continue surviving for eons. So, do you have any other theories beyond it just being some sort of prehistoric entity? Well... I'll let you and or or a ghost. <laughs> I'll let you decide about the theory because this is what I've found. I've hinted at the fact that I believe this thing is dead, whether it's real or not. 
Who's to say? But the so we're gonna go back to the to the to the legend, right? The the Muisca legend specifically. They they actually believe. Well, it go, the story goes that when they were having this bad summer, super hot, super droughty, that lake was actually not a lake. It was a wasteland of sand. There was mm-hmm. no- it was a depression. Yep. It was both both of the geological sense and the, the mood. That's, <laughs> that is correct. There was, it was just a hole, and I, I believe everything around it was dead or dying, like it was kind of essentially a desert. A ball of fire from the sky would show up at night, land into that depression, and out of the ball of fire would come out this um, creature known as Busiraco. He is the king of, of the infernos, or the god of the infernos, or something like that. He would cackle all night long and cause all kinds of chaos. Sweet. He he was the one responsible for all the issues that they were having, the long droughts and sour moods, and people would get into fights. So this is this is essentially evil in the in in, in the embodiment of evil, and he would come in, in a ball of fire every night. It says from the sky. I'm assuming he's coming from outer space. This is why I think he's an alien. And it doesn't, the story doesn't mention it, but it says that there's a black snake there that guards that area and waits for Busi Rocco to arrive every time. So, this, the serpent is, is, I guess, like the guardian, and and the serpent lives in the sand. Does that sound like anything you've heard before? Yep. A, A death worm of the Mongolian type. Yeah. And acting as a guardian, but not guarding <laughs> Genghis Khan's treasure or anything like that. Guarding the emerald <laughs> treasures, <laughs> maybe. And anyway, so this this serpent was also considered uh, evil, and the 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 Muisca superhero is known as Bochica, and and as a side note, this guy is, is depicted as having a beard, and coming from the east. And a lot of Europeans have have taken that to mean that oh they were visited by Europeans sometime in the past, and were given um, all this knowledge and trying to you know downplay again their civilization. So we're not going to go that route though. Yeah, not the first time we've seen that. <laughs> so so Bochica was considered is is, is bearded wise old guy who who taught the Muisca agriculture and metalwork, metallurgy, and all this stuff. They had the, this, uh, what do they call it? I forget the word, because I, I had to read the, I was reading the story in Spanish, so I'm trying to translate in my head. Um, they had their, their, their leader, their religious leader, his name was Moneta, and he had an emerald, like a talisman he wore around his neck. So there's the emerald coming in, right? And I forget, he gets a vision or he has a dream of, like all of the gods talking to him, or, or maybe it was Bochica talking to him. I again, I don't remember because I was skimming the story. But he basically gets the story. Um, his vision tells him, "Hey, you want to fix this place? We need to, you know, end the wrath of this black snake." 
So he gathers a, a bunch of people. They go to the to the area where the depression is, and they start doing this, performing the ceremony. Long story short, they eventually kill the snake. I don't know what happens to Boosie Rocco. I guess he just moves on because he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got, he's got other stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, he's like, whatever. The snake is dead. My job here's done. <laughs> so, so the snake is dead. Everyone's happy and cheering, and they go have a party and they eat. And then he gets another vision, um, the, the guy, and he he's the vision essentially tells him, now we need to, you know, you're, the lake needs to be filled. So he knows what he has to do. He goes back to the lake, and I, and I guess there's people there with him. He takes his uh, emerald that he wears around his neck, and he throws it into the depression. It lands right on the snake, and, for, and magically the emerald becomes soft. And bubbles up around the snake, and then and then it spreads out into the entire depression and fills up with water. So now, the whole place is full of liquid. There's a dead snake at the bottom of it, and that's that. That's the story. And and it's like you mentioned the, the MDW. So I find it interesting that the MDW in in the MDW episode we talked about a theory where it was possible maybe that there was like some sort of weird fish-like, worm-like creature that lived. In the Mongolian desert, and then as it, as that used to be an ocean or a lake or something, and that drained, and then this creature somehow evolved or adapted to living in sand. And here, the story I told it was a creature, it's reverse, lived in the sand, and then it got filled with water. And now, apparently, there's still sightings of, or there were sightings of a creature that lived in that water. So I'm wondering here, could this kind of Creature bees, one and the same as the MDW, or some cousin, in which their evolutionary mm-hmm. paths were flipped. It's like uh, alternate reality here. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the alternate reality self of Mongolian deathworm <laughs> is the Lake Toto monster. <laughs> yeah, you got the. Uh, it's like um, there's like different plants that have like a European variant and the American mm-hmm. variant. So this is like. The South American variant lives in the water, yep. and the the Mongolian variant lives in the sand. So I wanna I wanna attribute I wanna add an attribute to the to the uh, lake monster, and say he can shoot um, electricity, <laughs> electricity <laughs> and poison <laughs> and acid. <laughs> yep. So a, a a raw deal that Mister Bearded Man gave them, showing them metal urgy and um, and things like that. Didn't take the time to show him the wheel. A lot of civilizations in the Andes never had uh, the didn't have the wheel. Well, they didn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> they did fine without it. Bummer. Yep. Yeah, they did, but bummer. <laughs> He's like, uh, the one last thing I'm gonna show you, but then he left. <laughs> well, I think I think he says I've I've showed you enough. I gotta go, guys. He left, mm-hmm. and apparently, so the story goes that he he showed him that stuff. He leaves. And then uh, uh, the they they start living in excess and and, and start breaking the rules that mm. he taught them because he also taught them um, some moral compass or something along those lines like how to live it's like, almost like a mm-hmm. Buddha type right mm-hmm. and so they live in excess they're uh, oh we're ruined again and they pleaded for Botica to return and he apparently comes back on a rainbow. And he, he hits his staff on the ground and he fixes everything again. He's like, "Stop it! Go back to living the ways uh-huh. that I told you about." And they're like, "All right, yeah. goddamn <laughs> bastards! <laughs> Just listen to me." I like to think he he got all that. Uh, wherever he was going, he's like, 
oh shit, I, I didn't give him the wheel. <laughs> He's like, ah, they'll, they'll figure it out somehow. <laughs> they'll figure it out. And he shows back up in his chaos. <laughs> if only I'd given him the wheel. <laughs> it's like, and I was going to show you guys how to ride a rainbow, but not anymore. <laughs> nah, you can't. Clearly, you cannot handle that power. <laughs> so let's jump into the rubric of power for the Lake Tota monster. How about the powers of this thing? Oh man, uh, too many to too many to name. <laughs> as far as I can tell, based on I gave it this the the point that I gave it, the 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 score that I gave it because of the story I read where I I cut out the the part where they're actually the the battle. So the ceremony between the people and and the snake creature, there was like actual battle going on and, and they were like wrestling mm-hmm. with it, and you know it held its own. It was it was like using its tail to like whip sand into their faces and like a wave kind of thing. So I gave it a one point five. So that that guy that fought the shy deer was just trying to reenact <laughs> that battle. Yeah, possibly <laughs> with a lesser creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> poor deer. This is what I wrote in my notes, Angel. It could be Moby Dick, and that's dumb. <laughs> like, there is a possibility that this thing is Moby Dick. And uh, so I landed on, when, when that comes involved with the cryptids, <laughs> uh, I had to give this thing a zero. A zero in powers. Man. It's Moby Dick. It's a, a large whale. <laughs> a white whale. A white whale. Uh, as a side note, when I was researching, I was like, I don't remember the last time I read Moby Dick. I was like, did Moby Dick die at the end? And as I was typing it into Google, it said, does Moby Dick have a wife? <laughs> And I was like, what? Why is that an autofill question? <laughs> and I uh, I didn't want to click it, so I didn't. <laughs> oh, I, I have so many things that go on in my head about Moby Dick because I've never actually had to read it. So I just mm-hmm. have a mishmash of what the story is about and maybe possibly extra stuff. But... Moby Dick having a wife never occurred to me, but now it's never, gonna yeah. now it's gonna be a thing. Mm-hmm. Moby Dick is Part married ma- married to, yep. to to Mabel Dick. <laughs> yep, Herman Melville went deep in the lore of Moby Dick. He had a whole backstory. So I want <laughs> I want the detectability of the Lake Toto monster. Well, um, once again, we're presented with these sightings that happened in the 1800s, and then no more after that. Kind of makes me think. Were these guys just trying to, you know, get some sort of publicity or something? Um, oh, no. <laughs> although there was this one dude who was actively trying to um, debunk the whole thing because he wanted to drain the lake for agricultural purposes. Yep. <laughs> and it just kind of reminded me of the whole... Um, the whole situation that happened in Florida with the Everglades that they just come in and they're like, what's this swamp doing here? We got to drain the whole thing and just use it for whatever. And they, don't they do that in the Simpsons? Does Mr. Burns drain uh, Loch Ness? <laughs> yes, I think so. So it's, it's, it seems to be like a, um, a trope now that just rich evil people just want to drain things for no reason other than to <laughs> yep. build stuff on it. <laughs> Uh, find the goodies inside <laughs> and say it's for agriculture yeah yeah and it's like i mean you, you can grow agriculture you don't need the lake 
for that. You could just grow stuff on the side. It's been done. <laughs> uh, so what do you rank in detectability? So I've, because I went on my tangent there, um, that was oh. not, um, the, there's no, not, no other sightings. I, I gave it a two. With an oral tradition that goes back centuries, there is very little that has survived in relation to writings that have uh, at least been translated into English. For such a, a small lake, comparatively, uh, especially with the suggested size of the creature, this thing, I mean, it's like a mermaid angel. It must be able to turn invisible. Maybe it. Uh, maybe it's a large mermaid. Uh, <laughs> so I actually landed on a 3.9 for detectability. Yeah, I gave it a high score for that. How about the lore of the Lake Toto monster? For the lore, I'm thinking... Maybe we go the same route we do it with the Nandy Bear. If if we just don't know what it is, is it a mermaid? It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, I mean, they can be on land. <laughs> so I think the lore is interesting. With you know the story I read, the with the native uh, myth, and the sightings, the the writings on the sightings were okay. But I feel like there's so much more that can be written about it, more expansive, a bigger backstory, <laughs> you know, like like veins in the earth that the creatures can swim through. <laughs> Come on, people. Uh-huh. Um, I gave it a two. Two. Yeah. Uh, this one was hard to me because, as you said, a lot of creation myth stuff going on, which is fun. But uh, th- then I don't. I don't know how that translates to the the ox-headed creature. Like, yeah, uh, it's just a like a melding of entities for the the sake of having a creature there, uh, or an explanation for the creature there. I don't know. It's difficult, but there are some neat historical figures involved, like uh, Gonzalo de Casada and his hunt for El Dorado <laughs> being a total disaster. But that has zero involvement of the creature itself. It's just a fun uh, little. Uh, side quest there a a lot of writings went into how horrible the lake was but you know as we said looking at pictures online it looks like paradise so uh, <laughs> maybe maybe they really saved the lake over the over the centuries yeah uh, for the lore this this was a difficult one for me i actually gave it a 0.5 how about the cunning and intelligence of the lake tota monster I always forget that we can go in the less than one points, <laughs> but you can do whatever the hell we want. I'm going to give it a negative pie. <laughs> Wolpertinger got a negative, I'm pretty sure, in, yes. in one of the categories. Yes. I don't know what it was. Um, cunning. Uh, I mean, as far as I can tell, it's a creature that's. Uh, Moby Dick? A sentry of some sort. It's Moby Dick. <laughs> it's evil, but I was like, I don't know what evil it's done other than it possibly it makes waves. It possibly causes people to have a bad crop season or something. <laughs> um, I guess that could be powers. <laughs> I mean, I, just like the the black eyed children, right? With their powers to create oh, aggressive yeah. <laughs> cancer somehow, mm-hmm. indirectly. And their their war against electronics, <laughs> gadgets. They just they're they're uh, luddites. <laughs> <laughs> they are. 
That's why they always have the old clothes. Why didn't we think of that? My God. We're going back. Start the season over. Yeah. Bex 2. 2.0. I give it a 1 in Cunning. Yeah. I mean, there there is no evidence of interactions to show anything besides, I guess, it makes waves. But is that because the body is so goddamn big? (laughs) It just does it inherently and not intentionally. Uh, I landed on another 0.5 for cunning and intelligence. How about then the impact on pop culture? Ooh, the impact on pop culture. <laughs> this, <laughs> it's a, a depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this one's uh, you know hard because it's like we have lake monsters all around the world, and there's been you know lots of lake monster stuff in media and games and books and whatever. But can how who do we attribute? that credit to right is it is it this mm-hmm. one is it is it the champy is it the nessie you know we don't know i i mean i don't know at least and but i think it's safe to say that with this one you know i i didn't even know about this before we started digging into this so i was and you have you have colombian history <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean they, they didn't teach me anything <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I gave the- you. You marched your parents and say, <laughs> you sit them down and say, we're talking about the Lake Toto monster <laughs> right now. You're gonna teach me about <laughs> this damn thing right now. We're going um, there. <laughs> I give it a one. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm continuing on my point five <laughs> routing of this monster. Um, it, very minimal impact, if any. I think I feel like a point five is generous. I could find nothing of impacting anything within american culture by this creature yeah grand total is seven and a half that's a good score (laughs) i landed with a (laughs) 5.4 so then for the lake toto monster we land at a 6.45 wow wow we (laughs) were whoa whoa, bring out the poor hat (laughs) oh boy i've always had this feeling of deja vu doing this episode is it kicking in again <laughs> yeah and it turns out we did we did a lake monster didn't we and uh, the start of our season what i don't remember that <laughs> yeah yeah um lake champlain monster and somehow <laughs> this thing scored worse than the lake champlain monster. <laughs> oh no what did champy get champy got 7.55 wow <laughs> So, so I guess we we we're thinking lesser of these things now of these lake monsters, <laughs> at least one point less. <laughs> I mean, there's only one thing left to say, and that is Lake Tota Monster. You've just been cracked. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um. So, man, deja vu. <laughs> You said it. It's time, it's time. It's time to drain that lake, because at the bottom <laughs> of the lake, you're gonna find yourself uh, at the precipice of disaster, smoldering <laughs> remains of <laughs> possibly, possibly the smoldering remains of Twitter. <laughs> Who knows? By the time this episode comes out, we're still on there at Cracking Curios. So go ahead and follow us uh, if you want. Oh no. I think I said the name wrong in the beginning. 
script. Oh no, we're gonna have to re-record everything. I mean, again, if Twitter's still around, if it's not, no big deal because we're on Instagram. Good. It's our fallback our plan. Fallback. Instagram is great. Uh, we're on there as crack at cracking cryptids. So, you know, easy to find us. Not, yeah, not crocking chuds. <laughs> no, crocking chuds is a completely different thing. And hey, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to Tracy Owls, you should because we're on there at least for at least for at least one episode. We talk about fun stuff, although we get pretty deep into it philosophically speaking, I think. And uh, you know, just all around great uh podcast. Now back to us. There's also an email address you can send us email at in case you know Instagram blows up in flames, because who knows? Because <laughs> Meta goes bonkers too. And then and then all you millennials and and Gen Zers, you know, look to email and you're like, ah, that's why this exists because it will always be there and it's always reliable when it is. <laughs> Yeah, tell alphabet goes under. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we just gotta get an email server, but that's a whole other. Anyway, you send our email. Uh, see, uh, send an email at crackingcryptodencurios at gmail dot com, and that's all. Those are all words except for the at. Come on, you know how email works. <laughs> Finally, if you're listening to us, you probably subscribed to us already. But if you haven't, go ahead and click that subscribe button. On your favorite podcast platform uh, of your choice. Just a reminder, we're on Amazon, Stitcher, Audible, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Apple, iTunes, and our, our, our original host, Podbean. Um, so go ahead, check that out. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, because... <laughs> your enemies they just run up to them <laughs> listen to this podcast and run run away yeah because either way if you're telling your friends to listen to us that's you know that's great because your friends are gonna be like oh they like me enough to recommend me a podcast and if you're telling your enemies that they gonna be like they hate me enough to recommend me this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so either way we win so as always make sure to drink water stay they stay hydrated and we'll see you next time or, or, I mean, we're not gonna see you because, cause it's a podcast. So, and and you don't interact with us unless you message us. So, so, see, hear us next time. How about that? <laughs> you just got chudded. <laughs> This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. So the lake is constantly replenishing itself.